Hello, and welcome to Living Proof, the teaching ministry of Joseph Castillo. We encourage you to listen to today's message over and over again, so that the Word of God will be in your spirit. Be a blessing, share it with your friends, and we pray that you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We also invite you to visit us online at www.anifbeijing.com. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Bishop Joseph Castillo here. Glad to be with you tonight. We are blessed to have you on. Let's give you a minute to just invite some friends into the chat today. We're going to be looking at a couple of things. One of them is we're going to be looking at the laying on of hands and uh, a mystery that is revealed here in, in, in the scriptures that I believe will be a blessing to you today. So uh, I was just, you know, preaching and teaching the Word of God uh, Sunday at our, our team worship time. And, uh, and there's different things began to come out and just begin to unravel. And, uh, you know, people pull on that anointing. They were pulling on the anointing. And uh, I decided, even though it was not a, my plan, to give the mystery behind what was taking place in the text and uh it was just so just you know important uh on time uh, fresh and also really needed and i believe that it will be a blessing for you uh, i asked uh, as we began to get into this um the, the, the members of our team said i've never heard any teaching on this never heard any preaching on this so i said wow well let me you know let me just continue on in this vein and then I said, you know, this is not good enough uh, for me just to share with you. But there's another generation of the body of Christ that hasn't been taught some of the intricate uh, depths of the word of God. And I need to get on our broadcast Wednesday night and teach this too. So please, uh, I'll give you a minute or two to share the broadcast. Uh, like it, put some hearts or whatever. You know, let's boost the algorithm and also share it on your page. And this way we can get it out to more people and more people can be blessed. So let's give you a minute to do that. I'm going to show you uh, a 30-second clip of me and Dr. Frank Lester Summerall, Lester Summerall's oldest son, together in the Manila Philippines as you share this page. We also want to give you guys a chance to, to sow it to the ministry and to give. We have different ways you can do that through All Nations uh, website and of Tulsa. You can do that. And as I have showed you before, it's quite simple to do that. I'm Cash App, All Nations Tulsa, PayPal, paypal.me. Uh, you can give that direction. You can give that way. And uh, also through Venmo, the-river-tulsa. And, of course, you can always contact the ministry if you want to do a check or money order or something like that. But we want to encourage you to sow and to give to support the ministry of this ministry. She has been a blessing to you in any way. If you've received anything, if you've received revelation, encouragement, inspiration, knowledge, we invite you to sow into the ministry. We're believing God for 10 partners. We need 10 partners that will 
again a full tithe their full tithe of their income into this ministry for the next six months to help us transition to help us uh, move forward in the direction that god has led us in this 2022 we want uh, 10 solid partners that, uh, that are in the Western nations that, that, that earn a full income to partner with us with their tithe to help us to really transition. And if you're watching, God might be very well speaking to you. So we want to encourage you to, to consider, uh, not long, but to really consider making All Nations International Fellowship, this ministry, uh, your feet to the nations. You might not go, you might not be able to go or have the time to go. But we are going into the nations for you. And when you send us, you go. You fulfill the Great Commission when you send us. So we want to just encourage 10 partners to partner with us. And you can uh, start today by giving right here on all, uh, on this broadcast. And if tossed, you can pull up your phone. And I'm going to just show you quickly on our web browser how you can do that. So... I'm going to pull this up real quickly, and I'm going to show you on the web browser how you can give at NF Tulsa. So let me show you that here. I'm going to share a screen. All right. I'm going to share a window. Boom. There we go. All right. So now we are sharing this. Let's take this down. Boom. All right. So we have this screen right here on the right, and you can simply go by typing in aniftulsa.com. And you'll see that pull up right away. And by the way, we do have a store in there. You can click the store and you can get some of our materials. Here we have a powerful teaching called Foundation Class. You can just click there and uh, you'll see a little promotional here about that. You'll see what this is about. You have an, uh, all the different classwork, the courses. We do have this course in Vietnamese. We have it in Chinese, Mandarin, and we have it in Mongolian. So we have this course in three languages. It is from the feedback that we have gotten from people with PhDs that have graduated uh, seminaries, universities, Bible colleges, that have been in church for 40, 50 years, said that this is the most intensive, in-depth, revelatory. They actually renamed it the revelatory class. Revelatory class I've ever, ever, ever heard or seen. And it's taught by uh, moi. So there you go. And we have some of other materials there in the store that you can get. But we're talking about donating. You can start your tithing into this simply by clicking that donate button. So let me do it one more time. You get the front page, anatolsa.com. You get your home page. You have this yellow button that will remain there. You click that yellow button on the right top, donate. And here you, you have the option to do 100, 500, or 1,000 uh, tithe. Uh, some people's tithe might be more or less, but you know, an average tithe in the West should be somewhere, uh, somewhere about two fifty or above. You know, the average Western income should be somewhere about two fifty or above. So we need uh, ten people to tithe, uh, partner with us, and you can make it recurring by clicking this button here that says "Make this a monthly donation." This way, you secure your tithe, and you'll make sure that you're always tithing into the ministry that you won't forget. And we're believing God for you, 10 of you, to join us in tithing with the ministry. So we're excited about today's broadcast. Uh, let me just lower the music and introduce you to today's topic and content. Now, it's amazing. We had a, a whole bunch of people in, but the minute I talked about sowing and giving, they disappeared. <laughs> wow. So... Isn't that a picture of the American church? 
Hallelujah. It's like going to the grocery store up and down the aisle just for the free samples. You want the freebies, but you don't want to put anything in. The Bible says that it is important to muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. In other words, those that labor to you, bringing you the word of God, it is important to, the Bible says they are worthy of double honor. Honor means income or salary. They're worthy of double the salary that you earn. And that's what the scripture taught. And that is a principle that if we honor that principle, God will bless us. When you take care of the people of God, the servants of God, the ascension gifts, that are in your life, God will bless you. And I am going to bless you today with a powerful word. And we're going to start today in the book of Luke. So I'm going to invite you watching to the book of Luke. And I pray that you would get your Bible. If you're home, of course, some of you might be watching in the car or on your phone, whatever, at work or so forth. But if you're home, I'd like you to take a second to grab your Bible, get a pen, because today you're going to take some notes, you're going to write things down, you're going to take some notes, so get a pen and get a Bible. We're about to get into some wonderful and powerful things. And let's just greet those who are here. We're going to start off in Luke chapter 4. So, oh, did I lose my place here? Oh, hold on. I think I lost my place here. But we're going to start off in Luke chapter 4, and then we're going to go to Daniel chapter 9. And in Luke 4 and in Daniel 9, by the time we finish, we're going to end up in Russia. We're going to end up in Ukraine with the Ukrainian crisis. And we're going to end up in Bible prophecy, uh, possibly being fulfilled in this very hour, at this very moment, right in front of you, Bible prophecy being fulfilled. So, excuse me, let's first go over to Luke and we're going to look at Luke chapter 40. Luke chapter 40. So let's go over there together. And you grab a pen if you got a minute. And if you need me to hold on, I'll hold on. But just, I'd like you to take a second in the comment section. I know some of you are watching on Twitter. Some of you are watching on Facebook. Some of you are watching on YouTube. Some of you are watching on my public Facebook page. Some of you are watching on my private page, uh, my family and private page. So wherever you're watching, I'd like to know that where you're from. Who are you and where you're from? I'd like to greet you in the name of the Lord. So please uh, type in the comments your name, where you are, where you're watching from. Come on in the room and also make sure you share the broadcast. Share the broadcast. So let's give it a... Oh, here we have CC there. God bless you, CC. I know who you are. CC Nana Ma. I know who you are. You, you could be Chinese. That's a very Chinese name. CC uh, Nana Ma is actually very Chinese. So if you go to China... I will tell the people that name, and they will say, oh, they'll be so excited to meet you because it's a very Chinese name. <laughs> Just whoever else is watching, you could come into the room, and you could greet us and, 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 and say hi with us. Praise God. And we're going to be looking at Luke 4. We're going to be looking at also Daniel 9. And we're going to be looking at all that right there. And we have some great notes ready for you tonight. And we're talking about 
uh, the laying on of hands. One of the topics we're talking about is laying on of hands. And uh, this is what we've been going over with our group of leaders that we're training in our uh, fellowship here. And uh, the doctrine of laying on of hands is a foundational doctrine. As a believer, you need to understand and operate in this doctrine. You must build your life upon spiritual truths if you expect to see a breakthrough and success in this day and age that we live. Too many people, to many people, the laying on of hands may be an insignificant doctrine that does not need much attention. To some, it may seem like laying on of hands is foolish or Especially, they might think in the charismatic Pentecostal churches, it's really overemphasized. Some people don't even like hands to be laid on them. Some people joke and jest. Oh, if the preacher lays hands on me uh, too hard, I'll slap him. I'll punch him in the face. You know, don't go pushing me down. And there's more jokes and jest and dishonor to the ministry of laying on of hands and uh, something that I train my ministers when I train them about laying out of hands is I like to train our ministers about the laying out of hands in regards to uh, how do you, you know, how, how hard, how heavy uh, do you lay your hands? Where do you lay your hands? Do you lay them on the head? Do you lay them on the shoulder? Do you lay them on the back or a specific body part? Do you um, uh, hit them, slap them, punch them? Uh, push them to the floor. Uh, do you, you know, do you throw your jacket on them? Do you blow on them? Uh, some of the things that you know are seen in the Pentecostal charismatic world. What's that about? Should you do it? Is it foolishness? Is it God? So we kind of discuss these things and train with our leaders on that. And one of the things I always like to say when I'm training people on the laying out of hands is I like to remind people while I encourage you not to push anyone, not to, and you, you know, you could tell that to people. I've told the people, I've told the preachers that came to my church, don't push them. And sure enough, the first thing they do is when they get people up there to prayer, they start pushing them. It's like, It's like, it's frustrating for me as a pastor and you have a guest minister and the guest minister is pushing your people down. Uh, it's very frustrating for me, you know, and with all the good intention they might have, it is, it, it's grieving to my spirit when preachers push people down. And I know big name preachers that push people and, and, and push them on their head. And it's really, um, it really is a negative thing because people will, many people will often say, oh, you know, oh, the service was good, the message was good. And, and then I went up for prayer and then the pastor pushed me and then they have a bad experience, you know. So it's really a negative thing. It's a very bad thing. However, uh, as I train our people to gently lay hands on people, and you're going to learn a little bit on why even to do that. But as we train our people to gently lay hands on people, or maybe uh, sometimes uh, do other uh, other methods of releasing the anointing, the laying on of hands is 
one of the biblical foundational methods to release deliverance, to release healing, to release the anointing that removes the burden, destroys the yokes, to release the ministry of the Spirit. The laying out of hands is a primary doctrinal way that the God gives us, and Bible obedience brings Bible miracles. Uh, Bible methods brings Bible results. If you can remember that, Bible methods bring Bible results. So when you pray through the laying on of hands, and the Bible even says in one place, you pray the prayer of faith, anointed with oil, and the laying on of hands, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. So it is a method to heal the sick. It is a method to cast out demons. It's a method to administer the Holy Spirit. It's a method to uh, bring the weight in the anointing of a, of a particular ministry office into somebody's life. Um, there can be sometimes the abuse of that. And so now we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. However, we also don't want to be so afraid of the bathwater. <laughs> we don't want to be so afraid of the bathwater that we don't experience the benefit of doing what the Holy Spirit would lead. And so we train our people to lay hands very gently, possibly even uh do another method to release the anointing besides the direct hand on, on the, the body contact. But in general, there's the hand on the body contact, the out of hands. But there are, are times where the Holy Spirit would lead or instruct a more forceful laying on of hands. And if you recall some of the uh, testimonies that have been passed down to us from Smith Wigglesworth. We understand that Smith Wigglesworth, uh, and, and many of you might, who might know who R.W. Shambach is, R.W. Shambach is also, quite often, he was known for having a heavy hand. When he laid hands on people, he had a heavy hand. It was also said of T.L. Lowry from the Church of God that he had a heavy hand. When he laid hands on you, you remembered. There was also, a, I think it was a Frank Summerall. Frank Summerall used to have a stuttering problem. And when he was about eight years old, if I recall the story correct, and uh, Mama Karen, if you're watching, you could correct me. I believe he was about eight years old when he had that stuttering impediment. And uh, Brother Oral came up, laid hands on him, and that thing just popped. He heard that pop, a loud pop in the back of his throat. He heard a loud pop. And from that moment forward, Lester, Frank Lester Summerall never stuttered again. He was healed from that speech impediment through the laying out of hands. And he told me, he said, he was eight years old. He didn't know much of what was happening. All he knew was that, you know, his dad, Lester Summerall, had, had brought him up to get prayer from, from Richard, you know, from uh, Oral Roberts, and that he laid hands on him for that, and he heard a pop and he got healed. But he said one of the main things that he remembered about it was that old man whacked me on the head. And we kind of say it jokingly, 
and and, and finally, as a young boy's perspective, eight years old, he said, "Why did that old man whack me on the head?" Why? You know, because it wasn't he wasn't he didn't lay hands on him. Very gentle, and I would suspect that that Oral Roberts, that old timer who had laid hands on. I, I forgot the number of people he had laid hands on in his ministry, but I suspect that he had laid hands uh, probably at the same uh, the same rate. Or, I don't know if the word is rate, but at the same pressure, the same whacking, uh, hurtful uh, whack that Shambach did, that you know, uh, that Smith Wigglesworth did, you know, and Smith Wigglesworth was infamous for. Punching people in the belly, whacking tumors on Jack Coe too, whacking tumors off people's face, punching people with tumors in the belly. Uh, there's one testimony that that uh, that is told, and it was a very awesome miracle in the life of Smith Bigglesworth, where he took a baby. They brought him a stillborn baby, a baby that had died and was stillborn, and they ran the baby up to him at the altar, and he took the baby, he lofted the baby up several feet high, lofted the baby up, and he reared back with his right leg and shoot, gave a, a nice punt football kick to that dead baby, a stillborn baby. And that baby went to the horror of the congregation. People in the church screamed, oh, oh my God, he just kicked the baby. Now, some people that were in the middle of the pews and in the back of the pews, they might have not realized that this baby was dead. They they might have just saw a lady walk up with the baby handed to him, and he throws the baby up and kicks him across the room. So not everyone realized in that moment that he was the baby was already dead. But he took this dead baby, kicked it to the horror of the crowd, the church members there, the you know the first church of the chosen frozen, and he kicked that baby. And the baby went flying in the air across the, the front of the of the, the podium, the stage. And as soon as that baby hit the ground, there was a, a thud. And when the baby hit the ground, it blurred out. That dead baby had come back to life. Now, if I brought my baby to church, and for any reason, and the pastor kicked my baby across the church, boy, would that offend me. But do you want to be offended or do you want to be healed? So there is a time and a place to, to, to have a more aggressive, uh, maybe appearing to be hurtful, a strike. Uh, when you're ministering a healing deliverance or, or the Holy Spirit to somebody. And if it's, if it's God, there'll be results, you know. If it's your method of operation, it's just how you do it, then I would ask you to tone it down. I would ask you to scale it back. And, I, and you just have to forgive me, living in China for 10 years, speaking Chinese, I've forgotten so many English phrases and expressions that sometimes when I want to say something, I, I don't know exactly how to say it because Mandarin is like a double-edged uh, writing tool. One end is the pencil and the other end is the eraser. And for each Chinese word you learn, it also erases an English word. So, you know, please forgive me for that, but... I, the, the word I was looking for was to scale it back. 
you know, I'd ask you to scale it back. If you're always pushing people to the back of the room, pushing them to the floor, scale it back. So one of the, one of the ways that I do the laying on of hands, the ministry of the spirit, uh, without being able to be accused of laying hands too hard is what I'll do is I will, uh, put one hand behind them and I'll pull them towards me so they can't fall. Or if they do fall, it's because the power of God has struck them in a way that their legs have turned to jelly, like noodles, and they just collapse, boom. So I'll hold them up with one hand, and then the other hand, I'll lay my hands so they don't walk back, so they don't fall back through uh, feeling uh, too much power coming from you. And I discovered in the book of Luke, and we're studying Luke 4 today, but since we're on the topic, let me just share this um this this truth. Now, let me just say, when, when we talk about revelation in the charismatic church, um, we don't mean something that's never been uh, never been seen before, never been written before, uh, has never been taught before. We mean some what we really mean because there's no new revelation. There is no new revelation. Everything has already been revealed. But when we say revelation, we mean the revealing of something that was new to you, something that you have not seen in the scripture. There's no new revelation beyond the scripture, okay? So one revelation I want to share with you within scripture's context uh, began when I was in Vietnam. I was in the city of, of, of Ho Chi Minh City, and we were at a church there ministering. And, uh, and one particular girl, uh, she said to me, I think her, her nickname is Blessed. We call her Blessed. She said to me, no, actually she told to her some people in the church, uh, her friends, wow, uh, you know, Bishop Joey, he, uh, he hit me really hard. He punched me with his palm. He punched me with the palm of his hand. He whacked me so hard that my forehead was hurting and I fell down all the way to the floor by the way that he struck me. He struck me with the palm of his hand. And I was, when that when they asked me, why did you do that? I was shocked because that particular girl, when I walked up to her, the Holy Spirit, I knew, I knew by the Holy Spirit, I knew in my spirit, something said, don't lay hands on her just release the anointing by snapping. So what I did was I walked over her and I, I, heard, I heard that, I felt that, and I'm like, you know, praying, pray, you know, like in my spirit for, for a couple of seconds. And then I said, in Jesus' name, and I just snapped above her, above her head like this, like that, you know, you see on the camera there, like that. And wham, she went down, boom, under the power of God. But she says that I struck her on her forehead. I whacked her very hard, full strength, whacked her over her forehead with my palm. So I said, well, you know what? Uh, the pastor had actually live streamed the service. Let's go back to his Facebook, and I want you to watch it again. Because I know for a fact I did not lay hands on her. I just snapped my finger. So we went back to Facebook. We rewound the Facebook. And they uh, played the Facebook uh, for 
us. And sure enough, I did not even touch the the this this lady. All I did was snap my finger. And she was flabbergasted. She was astounded. She said, then who hit me? She said, because I felt the palm of a hand strike me powerfully. So, so hard that my forehead was red and I hit the ground. And we watched the video. I said, look. I said, I, I, you know what? I said, you were touched by an angel. Now, I know that some of you think that's a TV show. <laughs> I said, but no, you were touched by an angel. The Bible says, for are they not ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation? When a fivefold ascension gift is ministering to the sheep, to the folks, angels can and often do, especially when you know this and you believe this and you recognize it and you honor this realm, that when you honor that realm and you understand that realm, you minister with the angels. And the angels are ministering to people too. And the Holy Spirit is ministering to people. And angels are ministering to people. And you're in a team ministry. And I'll leave it at that. Because there's more that I can say on that, but I'll leave it at that. So I was so, so shocked and enamored by that testimony I just began to research laying on of hands in the scripture. I began to study laying on of hands. And we're not getting in our foundation verse today. Our foundation verse is Luke chapter 4, verse 40 and 41. But I'm just, I'm leading you up to something very important that, I, that I've never heard anyone on planet Earth ever teach before. And it's, it's something that God revealed to me through study of the word of God through the scenario. And as I began to study this, I found Luke chapter 9, and I'm going to invite you today to look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 9. And while you're going to Luke 9, we want to encourage you once again. Those who have just come into the broadcast, you've not been watching, but you've just come into the broadcast, we want to encourage you in Jesus' name to sow and to partner with the ministry. We're believing for 10 people to partner with the ministry uh, that from from this day forward, over the next six months, you would give your full tithe to the ministry and you'd partner with us for the next six months, tithing into the ministry and that you would begin today. You can do that real simple by setting up a auto pay right at www.aniftulsa.com. You can set up an auto pay and you can give right there at www. A-N-I-F-Tulsa.com. You'll see a yellow button on the top browser. You click donate, and there you have the option to put in any amount you want. Click 1500 whatever. And matter of fact, if we can have 10 $500 partners, that would be secure. That would secure and stabilize the ministry for the next six months if we could have 10 $500 a month partners. You might say, well, Bishop, I have to tithe to my church, but I can do a $500 a month commitment. Well, then praise God, you will be one of the, the pillars of this transition as we move uh, to set up a, a, a headquarters in a place that is geopolitically protected from 
uh, communist takeover because our ministry is in the communist nations and you cannot have a building without it being taken and raided. So we need to set up here in America and we're, we're moving forward in that. And you can help us with the transition to have 10 partners. You can give by Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. All of that is right there online and we encourage you to do so. Now, let's get back to our central message here. All right. Luke chapter 9. And and this Luke 9 is a, a little bit of a bunny trail. And then, you know what? I, I'm already telling you now because we're going to end up in the end. We're going to end up in Russia and the Ukraine with this. It's all one message and it's all uh, tying into each other. You know, but I got to take you line upon line, precept upon precept, because what I have done for our team here in Tulsa over the last uh, three weeks, training them on the laying out of hands, I've not taught you. And so you're not up to speed with where we're at. And so I'm giving you a few nuggets, you know, just to get up to speed to where we're at before I take you into the Russia and the Ukraine and what's happening right now uh, to you and to your gas prices. What This is relevant to every church, every person, every believer in the world. Let's take a look at Matt, Luke 9, 1. Let's read together. It says, you know what, and I'm going to just move something over real quick. Let's, let's move this over to that side. So this way, when I switch angles, boom, you still have our logo right there, okay? So let's go here. Luke 9.1, it says, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says that, and he called his 12 disciples together. You ever wonder why the disciples were able to heal the sick? Why the disciples were able to cast out devils? Was it just something that they can do because they hung out with Jesus? Was it something that you just did when you were religious? Because a lot of times we do things in church just because we see the pastor do it and then we do it. And we don't understand the spiritual dynamics behind it. And that's why I'm teaching on laying on of hands. Many people have seen laying on of hands practiced. Many people have mocked, jested, and joked about the laying on of hands. Um, but they don't understand the doctrine that's behind it. They don't understand the principles that's behind it. They don't understand the power that is behind it. And so when we uh, casually um, think about the disciples healing the sick, casting out devils, doing miracles— we never think about what was the process that empowered them to do it. Did they have to receive some special kind of anointing? Did they have to receive some kind of special mantle? Did they have to receive uh, something uh, that enabled them to do it? Well, if you have to, they had to. But where is that in Scripture? I never never saw that in Scripture. I never saw Jesus laying hands. To, to, to impart, to anoint, to, uh, to uh, put his glory, to, uh, to put into office and ministry, his disciples. I never saw that. Matter of fact, it's really not written in the English Bibles. But did it happen? Well, I submit to you, it happened. And here is the verse. 
Luke chapter 9, verse 1. It says, and I haven't even got, we're not in the message yet. I'm just giving you some groundwork in the beginning to, to bring you up to speed, okay? And it says in Luke 9, 1, that he called his 12 disciples together. So he gathered up his disciples and had an ordination service. This is what happened. Look, he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Then he sent them. They're called apostles because apostles mean sent ones. He commissioned them. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Because healing the sick would be the evidence that the message is true. And so before he commissioned them and before he sent them, he ordained them. How did he ordain them? Through the laying on of hands. But where do you see that, Bishop? Right here. You just read it, but you didn't see it either. And neither did I. And neither did almost all the pastors and preachers over thousands of years that have preached this text, especially in the last hundred years of Pentecostals. We've overlooked this by not doing a word study. This verse right here in your Strong's Greek Concordance gave. Can you say with me, those of you watching, say gave. I'd like you to even type that into the comments. I'd like you to type in gave. He gave them two things. He gave them power and authority. Now, I'm going to explain to you the difference between power and authority real quick. For those of you who did not go to Rhema Bible College, those who went to Rhema understand the difference between power and authority, but they don't understand that Jesus had had an ordination service whereby he imparted that power and that authority. Power and authority are separate things. So here, that word gave in the Greek means, watch this, what did that girl say in Vietnam? The one that I snapped over. What did she say? If you're watching, you could put, what did she say? You know, don't write what she said, but if you remember what I said, she said, you can put what she said. Let's see if any of you guys got it. She said, Bishop struck me on the forehead with the palm of his hand. We went back. We watched the video. I never even touched her, but she had the, the mark of a palm on her forehead and she, it was red, and she was hit by that and knocked to the ground. Nobody touched her on camera. We have the live stream. Nobody touched her. I said, well, an angel had, had, had done it. An angel had struck you on the head with his hand, the palm of his hand. So now I'm studying this, and God takes me into the Greek, and I find this word in my strong Greek concordance in Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus has an ordination service. He calls his 12 together. And in the Greek, it says, and he struck them 
with the palm of his hand. And they had received power and authority. Jesus laid hands on them in the Greek with the palm of his hand. So it wasn't like this, you know, one of these, you know, he, with the palm of his hand, it says in the Greek, he laid his hands on them with the palm of his hands, and the Greek says to strike. So it wasn't a gentle, it wasn't a light, but he, one, two, three, four, all top of them, boom, boom, Peter, James, John, you know, down, down the line, Matthias, boom, struck them all. Bam, 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 imparted power and authority. So the word here in the Greek to, to lay hands on to impart is the word to give. Hallelujah. He gave them power and authority. Now, if you studied power and authority at Rhema, you'd understand the difference a little bit. Power is dunamis. And authority is exousia. It's, it, it's, it's, it's delegated authority. So you can heal the sick. No, 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 I don't heal the sick. Jesus does. No, you heal the sick. You've been, been delegated the authority to heal the sick. And you've been given I mean, this is if you've been, so this, I know pastors that love God, speak in tongues, been in church for years, but they can't lay hands on people and impart the spirit. They can't cast out devils. They can't get people filled with the Holy Ghost because they haven't been initiated into it. You know, I, I discovered this. I had a great pastor. I loved him. He was a wonderful guy, but he did, he had, he, the, he could not release the anointing. He could not get people to, to speak. In tongues, he could not get people healed. He, he could not do these things. And I and I asked my friend Bishop Malumba, I said, well, this pastor is so great and he prays all the time and he's so holy. How come he can't do it? And Bishop Malumba said to me, Castillo, things of the spirit must be initiated by somebody else who's already there in the spirit realm. I said, wow. So we got that pastor. He prayed for that pastor, initiated this, this humble, quiet, theological seminary pastor into the Holy Ghost anointing. And that pastor began to pray for people with cancers, and cancers began to get healed. Miracles began to happen when that pastor, who was so godly for so many years after he was initiated into the spirit realm, these disciples were with Jesus, but he ordained them. He had an initiation service where he ordained them, striking them with the palm of his hand, imparting exousia and dunamis, delegated authority and the weight that comes with that and power dunamis, which means miracle working ability, or as um, as Pastor Augustine, one of our pastors in Tulsa, uh, my associate, he says uh, the the, uh, the the potential, the potential for demonstration for power. That that's potential. You you it's potential within you that you can demonstrate when you stir it up and activate it is given to you in the form of potential. So you receive power and authority. Now I learned that. Demons don't respond to power, 
but they respond to it. Let me excuse me. Demons respond to power. They'll scream and they'll yell and they'll manifest and they'll start, you know, you can't cast me out, whatever. And they'll those will be struck up and stirred up by power. But they will only leave with authority. So demons don't respond just to power, but they respond to authority. That's why non-Pentecostals, Baptist people that don't have the powers of the world to come, that don't that have not been imparted or initiated into the spirit realm, that don't have the gifts and the demonstrations of the dunamis, but they have delegated authority in the name of Jesus Christ, and they exercise evil spirits. Baptist, Baptist believers do. Even Catholic priests do. They do it under authority. But the difference between power and authority is power comes as a grace. It's one of the charises. It's one of the graces. It comes in the category of graces. But authority comes through relationship, through intimacy. It's delegated to you by Christ through relationship and through intimacy. So there's a difference between power and authority. And uh, Brother Hagen, in his book about, about the believer's authority, he talks about the police officer that stands in the middle of the road and he puts his hand out and big semi-trucks will screech to a striking halt and they'll stop even though the, the that particular uh, police officer is much smaller and much weaker than that big semi-truck that's coming his way. But he'll stop because that police officer has authority, not because he has the physical more strength than that truck. Now, the dunamis would be the gun. So the dunamis would be the firepower, the, the gun that the police officer might have. But that bus or that train will stop, not because they're necessarily afraid of the dunamis, but they know the authority that stands behind that little, you know, like that one cartoon with the little rabbit girl. I forgot her name. She's like a little bunny rabbit and she's a police officer. You know, there's a cartoon about that. Well, those of you who are parents, you'll, you'll know, uh, you'll know what cartoon I'm talking about. Well, that little bunny rabbit will be feared and obeyed by somebody much greater, much more powerful. And demon spirits and fallen angels, these are entities that are much more powerful in the natural realm than you. They can walk in and through walls. You can't, but they will obey you because authority. It's what's behind you that backs you that they will obey. So Jesus gave power Dunamis, miracle working ability, the, the charismas were activated, and he gave delegated authority to his disciples, and that's how they can do the ministry. That's how they were able to do what they did, because he gave them that in an ordination service through the laying on of hands. And he, he, did, he did it hard. He did it like an R.W. Shamak, like a T.L. Lowry. He struck them with the palm of his hand, according to the Greek. That's what it says. Now, if he would have had gently touched their chin, it might have been recorded in scriptures. He did a Benny Hinn chin touch. <laughs> I mean, it might have been in scriptures, but it, the, the, the Greek says he struck them in the head with the palm of his hand. So that's where we get this laying on of hands. So now let's turn to 
Now that we've laid that 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 principle down, let's turn back to our, our foundation text today, where we're teaching in Luke chapter 4. And we're going to look at another place that Jesus uh, had more clearly laid hands, and what were the results of laying on of hands. And back in Luke chapter 9, verse 2, you'll see the results of the apostles having been ordained through, he gave them, he laid hands on them, then he commissioned them, and that's how they were able to go about doing miracles. Okay. Now let's look at Luke chapter uh, 4, verse 40 and 41. We've seen Jesus himself doing the ministry. And the last one we saw in verse 9, he's activating, he's initiating the disciples into that realm. But here he's doing it himself in Luke 4:40. And it says, Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto Jesus. It says him here, but we're talking about Jesus. This, this chapter is talking about Jesus. So, so now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick, say any, with diverse diseases, all kinds of scenarios of illness, brought them to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every one of them. I'd like you to underline, he laid his hands on every one of them. And I'm going to underline it too here in my Bible. I'll put it right here. I want you to get it in your spirit and in your imagination. Jesus laying his hands on every one of them. Now, couldn't he just speak the word? There's a scripture that says he spoke the word. Speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And he said, I have not found so great faith, no, not even Israel. And he spoke the word, and they were healed. But the primary way that Jesus ministered to those who were afflicted was by personally laying his hands on them. And the result was, through his laying on the hands, look at the end of the verse, and healed them. So Jesus gives us the model. Jesus being the chief apostle of the church gives us the model to healing the sick. He establishes the model of healing the sick by having the sick brought to him and then he laid hands on every one of them and they had diverse conditions and he healed them all through the laying on of hands. So Jesus being the chief apostle of the church set that model up and now we get to James where he says, if there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and the elders of the church will then in the same model that the chief apostle gave to the church, they'll do the same thing. And then the prayer of faith will also heal the sick. They'll get the same results that Jesus had here in Luke 40. But watch what happened also here in verse 41. And this is where we get to the point of laying on the hands, not just for healing, but also for deliverance. Verse 41, it says, And devils, wow, the laying on of hands. And devils came out of many, crying out 
saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And rebuking them, he suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. So when Jesus laid his hands on them, the demons were stirred up, manifested, began to cry out and to scream, and then they began to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And when they said that, Jesus did not approve of them saying that, and he told them not to speak. And it says that they knew he was the Christ. So one of the questions, now we taught on this a week before, and we never asked this question, but the second week that we got into this, we began to ask the question. And the question is, why did they announce the ministry of Jesus? We're going to take a moment break, a commercial break, and we're going to come back to this here in a few minutes. Here comes the question. The question is that I proposed on Sunday, and there's a lot of questions that we could ask here, but the question that I proposed on Sunday was this. It was, when Jesus laid his hands on them, the demons began to cry out, and they began to say, Thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak because they knew that he was Christ. So my question to you is, why were the demons promoting the ministry of Jesus. Now, I want to ask you this question. I want you to think about it. And uh, if you were in our team service on Sunday, don't give it away, okay? But I want to ask you who are watching, why were they announcing Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? And why did Jesus stop them from saying that? So there's, there's a couple questions there. But the first one I want you to think about is, why were they helping Jesus? Why were they promoting his ministry? Why were they announcing? What, did they just join God's team? Are they now on God's team and they're going to they're gonna promote the ministry? Hallelujah. <laughs> Why were they announcing that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God? Why were they saying that? I'll give you a minute. I want you to think about that. Especially those of you who are watching, and you're Mr. Know-it-all. You watch some preacher on YouTube, like me, <laughs> and all of a sudden you think you know it all, you know. <laughs> Why, Mr. Know-it-all, Mr. Know-it-all pants? Why was the devils promoting Jesus' ministry? I'm going to just leave that question out there because I want some people to think. I want other people to realize you don't know everything. And 
that I want this truth to become plain to you, and I want you to understand this. And this is what's going to lead us into the next section and portion that we're going to talk about. Amen. And we'll introduce you to it here in a few minutes. Why was the demons promoting the ministry of Jesus? We've heard a few comments, and some of them were all valuable comments, but not understanding what is behind this. Are you ready? Now, let me tell you. First of all, let me tell you, the devil is not promoting anybody's ministry. And they're definitely not promoting Jesus Christ, the Son of God. If you have any experience at all driving out demons, casting out demons, one thing, or if you've even watched a lot of uh, uh, some some genuine, not not some of this fake stuff that's out there, but if you watch real deliverance ministries, you know that are authentic, you'll you realize and you'll learn early on that demons always try to disqualify you because they do not want to go. They are disembodied spirits, and they want to. St- Stay where they're at. So they will pull up any legalities. They will try to uh, disqualify you. They'll try to find some reason why they can stay in the host body. So when they were saying that you're Jesus Christ, you're the son of God, what they were saying was you can't cast you out. It's not my time. Another place in scriptures we see Jesus dealing with other demons and they said, are you here to cast us out before our time? Well, what is the time? So let's let's just, let's get that question straight. What is the time? That's the next question. Then what is the time? If this was not the time, then what is the time? Why was Jesus here on the earth before his time? Why did the Jews not believe that Jesus was Messiah? Because it was before his time. Why did the disciples not believe that he was going to die? Because he was before his time. They knew that the scriptures and the prophecies were that the Messiah was to come back and restore the kingdom of Israel, and he was going to reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. They knew the prophecy. And so they're like, well, you know, obviously he's the Messiah. He's here. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to take over the world. We're going to go conquer and win back Jerusalem. And when he died, they were shocked. The demons, when he died, they were shocked. Satan, when he died, the Bible says that if the princes of this world knew that Jesus Christ had come early, in order to sacrifice his life to die for the Gentile world, so the Gentile world could be saved, and that through his death he would defeat death 
that he would defeat sin, that he would resurrect and destroy all principalities and powers and might and dominions. The Bible says they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So they did not understand how he could come here so early. How can he destroy us before our time? Well, he didn't destroy them yet because it wasn't their time yet. They were not understanding this. How can you destroy the time? They, Jesus didn't destroy them. He just cast them out. And they're still roaming the earth and they're in somebody else right now. Because the time of the destruction of the Satan and, and, and those that follow him, the fallen angels and the demons, that time is in the second lake of fire in the end, after the millennial reign. That's the time they'll be destroyed. So they said, oh, you come to destroy us before our time. He said, be quiet. Because they're going to get destroyed. And it's not the time for, for them to be destroyed. But ought not this daughter of Abraham be loosed? So he cast them out. But they were not destroyed because it wasn't time for them to be destroyed. And they were saying, are you here to destroy us? You're here too early. You're the Christ, you're the son of God. You can't cast us out. It's not our time to be destroyed. You can't come here to judge us now. And Jesus said, be quiet and come out of him. Because they knew he was the son of God and they knew the son of God was not supposed to be here. Because the mystery of the Messiah coming early, you have to understand that the Jews are waiting for Messiah. That even the Muslims are waiting for Messiah. The Muslims call the Messiah the Mahadi. And the Muslims believe that the Mahadi will come in the end and he will come down and the Esau will come down the Mahadi will come. In the end, at the last trump, at the, 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 the last trump of God, the Mahdi will come. Muslims believe it. Jewish people believe it. And Christians people all believe that there will be a resurrection and that the, the Messiah will come. But it was hid throughout the ages that the Messiah would come early and that he would, his life would be cut short so that a era or a time, which we find in, in scripture that's called the times of the Gentiles, a time, a break in time would come in history where the Gentiles could come and and be saved. They did not understand this. Oh, wow, you might be saying, Bishop, I never heard this before in my life. It's called the times of the Gentiles. So they were saying, you can't cast us out. You're illegal. It's not the time yet for, for us to be judged. It's not the 6,000th year. Because God gave Adam authority over the earth. And he had authority over the earth for a period of 6,000 years. At the commencement of the 7,000th year, the Armageddon would come, judgment would come, the, the, the enemies would be destroyed, and Christ will reign for a millennium. 
but we'll have the millennial reign of Christ, where Christ will rule from Jerusalem over all the earth at the 7,000th year. But wait a minute, this is, this is like 4,000, this is like 4,000 BCE. This was zero AD. AD means Ado Domini, the year of our Lord. This is zero AD. This is the year 28 AD, 26 AD, 31 AD. You're not supposed to come for 2,000 years. You can't cast us out. You, are you here to judge it before your time? It's not, you, this, we, we still have 2,000 years left. Why does Satan still have 2,000 years left? Because the, the authority that Adam was given over the world, he transferred to Satan in the garden. Satan, the, 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 the authority and the time that, that Adam had in the world for those 6,000 years, and this is where we get the mystery of the Sabbath. Why? On the sixth day, God created man. Remember, a day to God, the Bible says, is, is a thousand years. So on the sixth day, God created man. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his works. The number of man is six. We see this in the book of Revelation. So when we see even the mark of the beast is the number of man. 666. So we understand that six days of creation were given, and there'll be 6,000 years given to Adam, but he surrendered that to Satan in the garden. And now 2,000 years before the Battle of Armageddon, 2,000 years before World War III, 2,000 years before the rapture and the judgment seat of Christ, Messiah shows up, baffling the spirit world, baffling the, the rabbis and the sages and the Sadducees and the scholars. This Jesus can't be Messiah. It's not yet time. He's a heretic. Crucify him. He can't be Messiah. Even the disciples didn't understand and they wanted him to establish the kingdom that the Messiah was supposed to come to establish. But they didn't understand that he came early. Well, where are you getting that from, Bishop? Where, where, where is that in Scripture? Turn with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel gives us the exact times and the exact dates that he received from the angel Gabriel. I'm going to have you turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. And we're going to look here at the prophecy given by the angel Gabriel. And you can look at starting at verse 1, Daniel 9, verse 1. Now, if you're, if you're following, if you're checking with me, let me know. Put a message here in the comment section if you're checking with me. If you're following us so far, let me know. This is also a good time to encourage you to be a part of the ministry. Partner with us. So into the ministry. We're believing God for 10 partners who will give their tithe to the ministry or 10 people that would commit to $500 minimum a month. 
for the next six months, for six months to commit to $500 a month to partner with the ministry. We go where you do not go. We minister in Mongolia, in Vietnam, in China. A ministry is reaching hundreds and thousands and millions in China, overseas, in Vietnam, in Mongolia, weekly. We're pouring into these nations, even on Zoom. And we're believing God to go back, but we need a few partners to help us to get back there. And we'll be traveling back and forth based here in America now. But we need 10 partners. You might not be able to go, but I can go. You would go and have to preach to a tree. Who's gonna, no one knows you there, but we've laid the groundwork. We have millions of people following us there in Asia. And we have the ability to impact thousands of thousands of lives, millions of lives. And by you giving and partnering with us, you go. And so we encourage you to do that once again. You can do that at Tulsa. So here we go. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. It says that in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by numbers of the years. That's very powerful. Daniel said, I've understood by numbers of the years. And that's what I'm bringing you into now. I'm bringing you into an understanding by the numbers of the years. This is not conspiracy theory. This is not hocus pocus. This is not a John Hagee Red Moon you know, Jonathan Kahn, Harbinger fluff to sell big, you know, books. You know, this is scripture, okay? Through the number of years, I've understood, he said. And whereof the word of the Lord came to me, Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So he had studied and read the scriptures, made full proof of his ministry, being a workman, rightly dividing the word of truth, and added up the number of years given by the prophet Jeremiah. The 70 years were given to accomplish the desolations of Jerusalem. And then he said, now it should be time for God to move and, and, and speak and to restore Israel. And the Bible says in verse 3, that he set his face unto the Lord to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And verse 4 says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and I made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them who love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have sinned and have committed iniquity. Everybody's looking for a perfect Christian, a perfect pastor, a perfect minister, but there is none perfect. He says, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from thy precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants, the prophets. We haven't obeyed the preachers and the pastors and the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, to our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day the men of Judah, and to the 
the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all of Israel that are near and those who are even afar off in other nations through all the countries whither you have driven them because of their trespasses that they have trespassed against thee. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face, to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Verse 10. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which has been set before us by the servants, the prophets. Yeah, all of Israel has transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servants of God, because we have sinned against him. That's the curse of Deuteronomy 28 he's talking about. And has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. Under, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath before upon Jerusalem. What's happening to Jerusalem? Nothing like this has ever happened before to this city. In the whole earth, no city has been treated like Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil is come upon us. Your word is come to pass. Yet made we not, verse 13, our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he doeth. For we are the ones that have not obeyed his voice. He's getting clean and honest before God, approaching him to act on his word and to restore Israel at the time that he had read by counting the years when Jeremiah said would happen. And now verse 15, O Lord, our God, has brought your people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and has gotten you renowned as it is this day. But we have sinned and we have done wickedly, even after that great miracle being delivered from Egypt. O Lord, according to thy righteousness, verse 16, I beseech you, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from the city of Jerusalem thy holy mountain. Because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a reproach to everyone that is around us. Lord, have mercy. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications and cause your face to shine upon thy sanctuary that now is laid desolate for thy Lord's sake. Oh my God, incline thine ear and hear. Open thine eyes and behold our desolations and the whole city, which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness. We don't deserve it, in other words. He said, but for thy great Mercy, shakabasata, hallelujah, humbling self before God. 
Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hearken. Do not defer for thine own sake. Oh my God, for thy city and thy people that are called by thy name. And the scripture documents and records that while he was speaking and praying and confessing his sin, oh, Daniel had sin? Yeah, he had sin. Was he a hypocrite preacher? No, he was a, a preacher of righteousness that dealt and struggled with iniquity like everybody else, but he was confessing them and confessing the sin of his people in Israel, presenting his supplication before the Lord, his God and the holy mountain. And watch what happened in verse 21. While I was speaking in prayer, even the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the oblation. Just like the angel touched that girl blessed in Ho Chi Minh City. And the angel informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. And now I am come to show you that you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now, the angel gives him a direct prophecy that leads you into this 2021 date with Russia invading Ukraine, leading into a possible Third World War, ending this 6,000th year of men's lease on the earth, beginning possibly World War III, Armageddon, the return of Christ, and the millennial reign. We are given the exact years. In dates. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make a reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. And the street shall be built again and the wall even in turbulent times. And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end thereof shall be with a flood and unto the end of war, say war, desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation 
and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Right here, I'm about to show you the date from the beginning to the time of Christ's crucifixion. And then from that time until now, exactly where we are at, why the demons said, you are the Christ, you're the Son of God. Why they, they challenged him with that. And the time and the hour that we are in right now that is taking place even as the earth is moving under your feet this evening. I'm going to come back in a couple of days. I'm going to pick a day that I can come back here. I'll try to do this week. Where I'm going to come back and give you the dates and the years described here by the angel Gabriel that you are living and watching on television, on CNN, Fox News, whatever you watch today. And you're going to be astounded and understand how much time we have left to get this gospel to the ends of the earth. And you're going to understand why I'm urging for a, a, a meager few, just 10 people to begin to tithe and help us get this gospel out to countries like Bhutan. We can't do it you know, on, on the widow's might. We need full tithing partners. If you're connected with this ministry, we invite you to do so. And you can set up a recurring tithe right here at nftulsa.com. You could do through Cash App, not a recurring, but you could give through Cash App, through PayPal. You could give so seed, but we're also calling 10 partners to give a full tithe or 10 partners at 500 a month. And we want you to be part of this end time harvest. We love you. We appreciate you guys for coming on today, watching with us and, and, and so forth. And I'm going to break out this 70 weeks and the exact dates that that accumulates to and where that brings you today in the year 2022. And you're going to be astounded at the time that we're in. This is the time where the demons cried out, Art thou come to destroy us before our time? That time, my friend, is just about here, a breath away. God bless you. Thank you for watching tonight. In Jesus' name. We had to stop the recording at that point, but you might be listening right now and you say, Pastor Joey, I wanted to pray that prayer. If I was there, I would have prayed with you. I'd like to pray right now, as a matter of fact. I'd like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I would like to have God in my life, and I'd like to know Jesus is my Savior and my Lord and surrender my life to Him. You know, repentance means to turn away from your way of doing things and to turn to God's way. We've done things our own way, like they used to say in Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. When I did the 12 steps, they said, your best decisions and your best ways of thinking and your best ways to handle life have gotten you to this situation. And now it's time to trust a higher power. Well, there is no higher power than the God of all the earth. His name is Jehovah. And he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And through him, you can turn from your way of doing things to his way. 
and His way is the right way because He made you and He made you for a purpose and He knows exactly what you need to pull out your potential to forgive you of your sins, deliver you from the things that keep you away from God in a sin and death cycle. And if you'd open up your heart to Him right now, together with me, God can begin a new work in your life. So just pray with me wherever you're at, whether you're driving your car, whether you're at home, or wherever you are, just, just pray with me and repeat after me. Say, Father, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. I believe that your son died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. From this day forward, I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like you to contact me. And we can send you some more resources and materials that can help you start this new life. Because this is the first day of the rest of your life. Email me at joe at nationsabroad.com or email the church at nfcontact at gmail.com. And we'd love to speak with you and just correspond with you and put you on the right path. Maybe help you find some local churches there online or something. Or maybe we know some pastors there that can follow up with you and help teach you the Word of God. Thank you for listening. And feel free to download the other podcasts and just feed on the Word of God.